Welcome to Animated Conversations, a series of interviews with talented creators working in the animation industry. I'm Andy Williams, a producer, writer and director. Today I'm joined by a brilliant music composer who has worked on shows such as Toad and Friends and Scream Street. He also hosts his own podcast, The Music Room, where he chats with fellow composers and songwriters. Gareth Davies, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andy. Thanks for the invite. It's uh, really nice of you. Just to get started, would you be able to give uh, a brief introduction to yourself and your career up to date? Your career up to date? Wow. Um, yeah, I've been a composer for TV since 2011 after making a leap from being a primary school teacher. I was a primary school teacher for a while um, in key stage one of all things. Uh, so there's a bit of a link there. Uh, it started really as an outpouring of music. You know, I, I gave up teaching and just did a blur. <laughs> you know? A couple of albums came out and um, slowly but surely made contacts in uh, production music library space uh, and eventually networking with people in the, the kids animation industry. Um, that led me to my first series, Everybody Loves a Moose. That was with uh, Ho Ho Entertainment and an Italian production company, Trion Pictures. Um, still have a lot of affection for that series. I mean, it was, I, I really cut my teeth on that. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure listeners will agree uh, that once you become known for something, um, then you tend to have more conversations and work in a, sim you know, in a similar area. Um, so off the back of that, I was put forward for Scream Street with Coolabai and Factory. And we ended up doing, what was it, um, 78 episodes of that uh, and, a few, and a few shorts as well, uh, which was brilliant. Um, and, you know, stop, mo stop motion animation. The, the, I'm just constantly in awe of, <laughs> of all that, which I'm sure I'll come on to. But, um, and then, yeah, coming full circle to the series I've just finished on. You mentioned Toad and Friends um, for Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, it was Ho-Ho who contacted me. So, you know, they were the Everybody Loves a Moose people. Um, and, yeah, so that's rolling out this year and next. That's amazing. And you kind of touched upon some of the animation that you've composed music for. Is, do you have a different approach to the way you compose for animation, do you think, than just live action? Or is there a different sort of mindset to that? There, there is, yeah. Um, but also there isn't in a, in a strange way. In many ways, it's, exact, it's exactly the same because my main aim as a composer, and I think the role of everyone on a production is to support the storytelling, isn't it? You know, through whatever the medium is, whether it's animation or live action or an audio ident or a podcast, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Central mission is the same. Um, but, you know, the, the styles of animations I've been involved with have tended, I suppose, towards a more comedic feel in places. Um, and there's, there's so much to play with there. Um, and what I learned very early on in Moose, because that was a really... Uh, zany, upbeat. Is zany a word? Zany is a word. <laughs> Quick paced, you know. Um, that you, you know, you had to. A mood can change on a dime, right? Really quickly, and it, it's okay to change the music that quickly too. I suppose you're you're simply supporting what's happening on screen. 
Um, and in animation, that happens, I think, more than perhaps in a drama. You know, that tends to be more underscored, doesn't it? Um, so, yeah, not only can you lean into it in animation more, I think you can um, make a feature of that, that comedy uh, and turning on a, on a dime. And how does your... How, so how, talk me through kind of the, process, the typical process for how you'd kind of get... Um, get started with composing the music for um for a series wow okay um so getting started well initially it will start with the pitch because um you know obviously in the brief for the pitch there'll be uh, much discussion amongst the production team i'm sure to find the the right kind of tone um but apart from that, there's usually a period depending on what the, the schedule is. And, and just to kind of pick up on that, how do you? So you'll get a, a pitch and a brief for for a series. Yeah. Um, how do you find your way into sort of capturing the the tone, the musical tone that you're going for? What in the pitch? Yeah. Or yeah. What, what are you looking for to kind of draw out of the pitch to kind of get you started? Um. Well, usually it's it's you know a good pitch, a good brief will um, will spell out references. It'll spell out um, you know a feel or a tone or even a style. Um, you know the, uh, the the toad brief was um, about keeping things kind of folky, airy. I think the um, Helen's first contact with me, Helen at Hoho, was. Do you have any um, kind of contemporary folk tracks I can listen to? <laughs> and I was thinking, hmm, oh, what's this about? But yes, of course. Um, so there's all, all you know, there's uh, an access point there straight away. Um, so that suggests a, a palette of instruments to me. Um, to you know, it, it's really trying to to get what producers are thinking and directors are thinking. Um, and trying to read between the lines there a little bit uh, and maybe using that as a starting point to to then offer something hopefully unique. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the pitch brief should kind of hopefully um, kind of uh, give nods towards the style and the feel um, and the tone. Um, and hopefully that just sets off light bulbs, you know, and you think, right, okay, um, there's a little spark there. I'll go with that and see what happens. Uh, do you find that having that having kind of buy-in at that point and having everyone be on the same page in terms of kind of the musical direction of the show then then helps a lot? Does that kind of reduce the amount of tweaking and noodling and changing once you're kind of in the flow of things? Yeah, yeah, noodling is the the enemy of the <laughs> the schedule, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, I think after the pitch um, is done and you're on the show, um, and because episode fifty two has to have the same musical identity as episode one, you know, it's really important to get the sound right out of the gate. Um, so the earlier I'm involved to start developing the sound, the better, in my opinion, and. Um, in terms of that process, um, 
you know, from the you're you're not starting at the start, hopefully by the acceptance of you as uh, the composer from the pitch, then you know it's like you've already been given a green light. They they like what they hear, so uh, then so what I suppose what follows is the minutiae, the character themes, the location themes, um, and I think if you take that time at the start of the process, if you have the time at the start of the process, and get the whole production team in agreement on the music, then it absolutely pays dividends later on. Great. You're not having to go back and... and yeah, yeah. You've, you've kind of established what the colour palette of the show is. Exactly. And then you're yeah. kind of using those paints to kind of create the sort of soundscape as you... Yeah, you can get, you know, that's all agreed. You can get that out of the way. I, I suppose much in the same as visually, you know, you've got these established criteria that are accepted by everybody. Yeah. And then you get on with the storytelling, don't you? Yeah. Great. No different. And then you kind of talked a bit about sort of character themes. Um, how do you how do you kind of change that music and kind of adapt it so that so it all sits within the same kind of musical tone of the show, but you're, you know, you're kind of adding a bit of colour for Toad that's different musically from some <laughs> of the other characters, for example. Yeah, Toad. I mean, yeah, because the, the, the theme tune was the pitch, basically. I dove straight into the character themes um, once I knew I was working on the show. And I took the, the instruments, really, from the theme tune, roughly, so I had a palette of instruments to play with there, and it, and it, yeah, like you say, it became about the personality types and matching instruments. So for Toad, uh, bless Toad, uh, a trombone seemed appropriate um, because it can be loud and blustery as well as, as well as wistful and, and sometimes mournful, actually. So, you know, th th there's that variety in the sound. Um, and then there was a flute for Moly to reflect his softer personality. Ratty was a funny one. Um, I think I'd introduced an accordion and someone, because it, you know, watery. <laughs> and someone had said, think kind of ex-Pirate of the Caribbean. <laughs> I think it was something like that. Um, and it ended up as this sort of charming accordion-led kind of reggae theme, uh, which was pretty funny. Yeah, it's interesting to hear how you can really use the character's theme music to reveal just how a character is feeling in a scene which might transform the way the viewer relates to it as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, once those character themes are established, then you can take them anywhere, really. You know, you can have a sad version, you can have a happy version, you can have an action version. Um, and in fact, you know, if there's a, uh, an episode to do with a particular character, then you can ingrain that character's theme within that action scene, you know. Um, this is Moly going on a mission. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so his theme's in there. It might sound different to his everyday, you know, just pottering around his house making jam, but <laughs> it's still Moly nonetheless. And in your experience, how do you work with the directors and producers to really find the musical theme for each of the characters? Yeah, yeah. I think, well, it comes down to collaboration, doesn't it? Um, you know, I'm trying to aid the storytelling in any way I can. And through the cat... I mean, for Toad, for instance, uh, that period of time, I think there was about two or three weeks, right at the start, um, 
the schedule was tight, but we made sure that there was that time to really go backwards and forwards. You know, I would come up with a list of character themes and they would go out to the production team and they'd be commented on and um, some would be that spot on, some would be, oh, have you thought about this? Um, or this, you know, personality trait or aspect. Um, and so, yeah, it, it basically I'm, I'm given a chance to to show what my ideas are and then that becomes the kind of launching pad for, for batting around ideas and um, I think it's the, the best case scenario when there's a conversation happening most of the time, you know, that's, that's, um, that's the best case scenario for me, definitely. I kind of think of it like a jigsaw really, Right. you know. If um, if there's a particular character on screen, I know that I've come up with a theme for that and it's been agreed. Um, and there's a palette of instruments for that character, but you know, you put that character in a different scenario, um, then those instruments could change perhaps, but maybe retain the core instruments in there as well. Um, so yeah, I think it becomes a little bit of both. Um, like I said before, if, if you can agree as much as you possibly can without it, you know, w w you have to be able to see and respond to <laughs> a finished edit, don't you? And, uh, um, but if you can uh, agree all of those things, um, you know, the unknown quantity really is the episode theme. Uh, you can have character themes, you can have location themes, you can have, I would start most episodes with the same kind of location theme. Um, but obviously each episode is different and uh, that's the unknown quantity. So you have to weave that that kind of episodic, episodic theme throughout the episode as well. What would you be looking for in the episodic theme? What would make that distinctive from other episodes? What are you looking to kind of sort of establish well, within the episodic theme? Yeah, well, what it's about, really, you know, um, there was a, an episode about a security system, for instance, in uh, Toad and Friends. So that became a bit more techy. Um, the, the sound became a few more whiz bangs and uh, <laughs> that sort of thing. But then, you know, there's another episode about uh, poetry and uh, they're writing poetry and that becomes um, more kind of earthy and natural and... Um, uh, in many ways emotional it's quite an emotional episode in many ways because you're you're, you're uh, linking with the natural world and that sort of thing um, and in some uh, episodes like um, there's an episode which features a lot of singing um, where I had to come up with the tunes for the cast to sing um, which involved me recording those parts even the higher female parts <laughs> and then you know um, directing stuff for the voice cast um, and that's even before the episode has come to me um, so that would be from the script as well but there'll be um, again um, script writers will drop in musical references I'm thinking you know something a bit like this or uh, and even a, and do you find you know, that useful or do you find that kind of um, annoying. 
No, no, I find it incredibly useful. I mean, any for me, any kind of steer is great. You know, I'm not looking to to copy things particularly. I'm I'm looking to get a sense of what the tone is, um, what the mood is, and um, you know, if there's any kind of steer, I love that. <laughs> Much better. Yeah. That's really, um, really interesting kind of description of that process. Do you get the opportunity to to kind of tweak the the music when the animation's at a late stage, or is it kind of more or less that that it's kind of set in stone at that point? No, no, I'd say right up until the end, you know. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're if the production team of and the directors have done their job in conveying what they want in the first place. Hopefully, there's not too much uh, beyond V1, V2 that needs to be done. Um, I, hope, I, I was really lucky, actually, on Toad. Um, right at the start, uh, on our first meeting, I um, had a, a meeting with Tim Searle, or animation legend Tim Searle, to give him his, his full title. <laughs> um, and I said, you know, would it be okay if in each episode we have a quick Zoom call about halfway through, and then, you know, if you think I'm going in completely the wrong direction, it's a good time, it will hopefully save time further down the line once it's gone out to the production team. And bless his heart, he turned up for every single episode. And it was so nice to, you know, have that back, you know, that collaborative back and forth um, to talk about things and uh, improve little bits here and there. And, um, you know, people hear the word notes and they panic. Uh, and it is a little bit terrifying um, when you're kind of new to the process because, you know, the music comes from the heart. And there's no kind of getting around that. Um, and then if somebody says, oh, I don't like that, you have to really separate out what what it is they're saying, which is not you're bad. It's this music isn't necessarily right for this scene. Um, so if you can uh, learn to read between the lines, I'd say, then notes can be absolutely brilliant. And so, you know, that time with Tim... Um, and he'd, you know, we'd sit there in silence and he'd watch what I'd done. And then he'd say, right, you know, that bit with Moly in about a minute and a half, could it be more confident or, you know, could we have nothing there? Or, you know, can you lean into that joke or, you know, whatever it is. And that's an interesting example, because I was going to ask you about that. How does music work when it's trying to, where it's going for a joke or it's trying something particularly comedic? How do you kind of work with music in that way and kind of fit in with the timings of the of the way the joke is delivered there are kind of two ways of approaching that and i've experienced both of them um the first is um and i've been told this on on productions uh get out of the way of the jokes and um get out of the way of the plot points things like that and you know, that works, that, you know, for, for that particular show, it works. For another show, I mean, Tim's advice to me was highlight the, in fact, I made it into a mug, highlight the wonk, 
There you go. And so for him uh, on this particular show, it was about leaning into those jokes and those emotional moments and um, the subversions and, you know, all those things. Um, and I don't know if one is right and one is wrong. I think it just depends on the show. It depends on the director and their style. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it really depends on, on the, that particular thing. I think. Do you kind of feel like as a composer, part of your job is to to reflect what you kind of, what the audience should be feeling about a scene? Yeah, well, it depends. It depends, doesn't it? Um, you know, if you're in a scene uh, where a character's on their own and, and doing things and it really depends on the story. Um, if there's that opportunity for subversion because that's kind of what they're trying to convey on, uh, and it comes back to what they're trying to convey on screen then of course that's appropriate isn't it um, but sometimes you know you're, you're really with the character as well you know if they're having a revelationary moment about something then you go you, you know you go on that journey with them and you're you're just um, I don't know supporting that in every any every way you can yeah uh, yeah. Amazing. It's kind of it, music does have that kind of flexibility and ability to be very dynamic in as much as yeah, you can it can be totally in sync with the and in sympathy with the character or it can be almost taking more of an ironic position on what the character's going through. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree, you know, sometimes it it can be too much, you know. If a, if a couple of characters are just having a conversation what you know you've got to there's got to be a purpose for the music to be there isn't there you know um if you're supporting the story storytelling just sitting underneath the chat i don't know <laughs> i think the power of silence is uh not to be underestimated as well for sure i'm kind of fascinated by the way different composers might approach um doing music for a show that some come to the show with a very predetermined sound and style uh, while others let the story really guide them do you have a kind of preferred approach in terms of what works best for you yeah yeah absolutely for sure um the story i mean yeah uh you have some composers who will be so nailed down with their sound that is this is what i sound like um use me for your show you know it, it's uh, a, a certain set of instruments or sounds or you know whatever it might be I tend to try and start with a blank page um, obviously the music the melodies might sound like me I don't, I'm not sure but um, I, I try and see especially writing for TV animation especially as a collaboration it really is. It, it kind of starts and ends with that. Um, and if I can satisfy the kind of the desires of the director and the producers um, to fulfill that side of things, um, then t big tick, you know, that's uh, that's kind of where I come from. Was that a skill that took some time to develop in terms of really being able to kind of listen and collaborate with the directors and the producers is that because I think that 
often we it's the collaboration side that people you know they they'll only have experience of it once they start doing that but is that something that you think is a skill that you developed kind of through working with um uh, through different producers and directors i mean how was it the on the first job that you did yeah 100% i agree with that you know it's um uh, i think you learn to ask the right questions you know um a brief can wildly vary uh, from production to production. Um, I think uh, a good brief will contain references and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, very early on, I might not have asked the right questions and just gone, well, what do I think? Uh, instead of asking, you know, what's in your head? <laughs> how can I How can I satisfy what you're thinking instead of, you know, sending off five different versions and you going, well, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll know when I hear it. I mean, that's that's it becomes a little bit impossible then, um, because there are so many different styles. Um, so yes, absolutely, it's some, it's definitely a skill you learn. Uh, something I've I've learned along the way. Um, teamwork, collaboration is the most important element uh, element of working on a series um and especially because of the the schedule and the time constraints every you know everyone has to be on the same page and one final question do you think that the performance that the voice actor gives and the way that they create that character has any 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 influence on the music that you make Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um, y- yes and yes and no. Yes and no, I'd say. I mean, the fact that Toad was played by Adrian Edmondson uh, in such a, a, <laughs> a brilliant and funny way, I think just um, makes that character even better. You know, yeah. but the character t- traits are really Toads. They're not Adrian's. Yeah. Um, Adrian, so Adrian uh, providing the voice for that wouldn't have changed the, your approach to the the music for that character. I don't think so. I mean, maybe the way I've reacted to some of his scenes. Um, uh, maybe I've been more exaggerated because of Adrian's performance. Um, Funniest forty-five minutes at work, by the way. Uh, you know his his singing <laughs> to direct was. I mean, uh, as Tim said, he's a real comedy technician. So, you know, his mission in the voice, uh, the the voice session, was to make everyone laugh. You know, and if no one's laughing, then he's not doing his job properly. So he just went on and on and on until everyone was in bits. <laughs> Um, the the traits are the character traits, um, but obviously, if I can uh, react to the voice performances in, for these characters uh, in a certain way, in the tone or um, how they're conveying those parts, then of course, yeah, yeah. But within those agreed parameters, it sounds very official, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a great place to wrap it up because it's a is a real kind of example of the power of collaboration, uh, and in fact, the, the director and the actors and the composers are all kind of working off of each other in in this. 
absolutely. Yeah, that's the best case scenario, definitely. Absolutely. Well, Graf, really lovely talking to you. So thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Thanks for the invite. Thanks, Andy. Thanks again to Gareth. And I hope you enjoyed that episode of Animated Conversations podcast. Please like and subscribe to hear future episodes.